This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. We've got a massive show in store, Redman. We do and what a week of weather we have having. Sun's been out, it's not... Okay, it's, it's a bit cold, but during the day is bloody beautiful. It has been absolutely terrific. I managed to get away, which we're going to talk about soon. We're going to talk about some massive barrels. Alex Carey. Massive guest on the show. Australian wicket keeper. I don't know how you've done it, but you've wrangled no, probably the biggest guest we've ever it's had. Not what you know, mate. It's who you know. <laughs> Plus, a little bit of fishing and, and four-wheel drive news to kick off the show, Redmond. Uh, according to the manufacturer, mm-hmm. uh, there's a solar-powered electric car... Well, we're going back to that electric thing, are we? Well, I'm, I'm keeping us, I'm keeping us in the loop. I you like know, I was going to buy Tesla the other week, but I had to get Twitter with it. <laughs> Light Year One are claiming that uh, the their electrificated version of their car, which is solar powered uh, and has a range of uh, 725 k's, but if there's <laughs> constant sun, that you may never have to charge it or not charge it for months at a time. Lucky we had a sunny week this week. <laughs> Volkswagen's execs during the week have confirmed that there would not have been a second generation Amarok. Now, you've got an Amarok. I do. I've got the new Amarok. Well, with, was the new Amarok. Without a partnership from Ford. Now, we've spoken about this large. Now, obviously, there's huge excitement around the new Ford Ranger. How, how does that work? A partnership with Ford. Well, how does it, two manufacturers have a partnership together? So they're not sharing engine systems, but I, I suppose the the research and development they invest together. Now, what it's like having two wives? Well, there's a few people <laughs> around the world that have that. <laughs> now, there's uh, Volkswagen have uh, have claimed that the partnership with Ford has saved them in excess of. Uh, one billion dollars, one point three billion Australian. Just the homepage on Twitter. <laughs> so they came together in twenty seventeen, facing a deadline whether or not to proceed with the the you know the development of this second generation, and they weren't going to do it because they were putting like so many car manufacturers, um, their energies and resources and funding into the electrification market. So how's Amarok though being the the leading? car being sold in their range in Australia, in Australia. and yep. we don't even get looked upon in the world <laughs> yep it, that it would have it would have you know finished up so uh, that's certainly good to see more more competition Redmond so it means it's better for the consumer um, Kingfish being called out of the Sydney ferries in the Balmain shipyard this was quite extraordinary to see oh yeah I know what you're talking about now yeah 80 to 100 110 centimetre Kingfish Redmond now they're in the dry dock and when they went to empty it, 
all of a sudden <laughs> there's all these kingfish swimming around. Quite incredible to see. And all the workers are climbing down the stairs, passing them to one another and releasing them back into the main water. Literally picking them up and putting them back in. So that was quite extraordinary to see. More swordfish bycatch, this time on soft plastics. When are we going up to... Oh, this is just ridiculous. Fish it's... out of 20 metres of water and start jigging for swordfish on soft plastics. It was at Kima in uh, New- top of New South Wales. 15-pound line. And another... Swordfish. What's going on there? Like, it's not, you've never seen it before, and then all of a sudden, well, we've had a couple of lost swordfish, but these are actually these are eating. <laughs> like, this is weird. So, well, you would think after, and we spoke about this last week, like, that's a, that's a one in a, uh, you know, a decade sort of thing. A bit like when Barnaby Joyce was talking about the floods up in Queensland thing. <laughs> this is a one in 10,000 year occasion. And we've, it's happened twice in two weeks. Well, that's the same, that's the same thing with the swordfish. Uh, um, yacht, unfortunately, Redmond, a father and son, very lucky to be alive after their yacht crashed into a reef late last Thursday night in Western Australia. So very lucky. So one unto uh, uh, rescue, rescue crew over in Western Australia. And this, this, Rolled across our real adventures deck during the week, but um, one of the biggest southern bluefin uh, tuna caught in Australia on spin tackle, Bodie Penningberg, caught a monster, 155 kilos, in just over two hours. He still can't walk. That's a, that's a big fish. <laughs> it's a big spin fish, 155 kilo on spin. Now, we've got a few, up to 120, 130 on spin, but 155 is another... It's another... Th- those fish that are 140 plus, they're on another league of their own. Yeah. Yep. They're just another fish. Like they're, they're another. Sorry, they're a different type of fish to a one ten or a one twenty. They just the extra pull. Yeah, they're just big. Got, yep. To knock it over in two hours, he's using some serious gear. Big, as good as real you get, as good as rods you can get. Like he's using some. The rods are made to do that, but very impressive. But there was multiple hundred and forty to hundred and fifty plus kilo fish caught in the same day, days before. I got some beautiful fish as well. Yeah, as um out of Port Mac and Portland, this barrel fishery is insane and we had some beautiful weather over that long weekend last weekend as insane as the boat traffic that's existing <laughs> at the moment as it, well. it's can i have a little early gaff <laughs> go for it so queensleaf boat ramp's been shut for what well, it is shut for four to five months of the year from yes. march to end of july to august probably blow which out is to, your local boat ramp for to, those yeah unaware. so during the week i headed down to st leonard's which is the next ramp sort of up. It's about 28-minute drive from my joint. Queens is about 13. Yep. Went to go fishing, and because it's open to the northerly wind and the southerly wind, but we get a lot more southerlies and northerlies that are blowing heaters, so the southerly side, the south side of the ramp, which is two ramps, quite often has sand built up, built up, and it's hard to put a bigger boat in. Oh, boy. So the northern side's a fair bit deeper, yep. and that's where everyone tries to launch. Yes. Well, a little... Sammy the Seal decided he wanted to live on that little pier there. And when I say little pier, it's not actually like where you tie your boat up to. It's sort of, I call it the old man's jetty, where it's the old the old boy pulls in and ties his boat up quickly and gets his trailer. It's, a, it's only probably like five metres long. A bit like the one out of Jaws where he goes to fish. <laughs> yeah. You know, catch the shark with a chicken on the end of it and then he gets towed out to sea. It's yeah. exactly the same as that. So it's barely a pier. <laughs> They've shut the whole, that whole side jetty. The one was open. In the middle of the Easter break, with Queenscliff boat ramp shut, just as fisheries advised for the Easter break, Queenscliff shut, let's all use St. Leonard's ramp, and they've <laughs> shut the ramp. Not only that, there was boats stuck, like people having to walk their boat out. It was an absolute disaster. So whoever 
ever shut the ramp down for a seal, how about you head down to Apollo Bay, you know. head down to Port Ferry, head down to Portland, might not even go to Port Mac for a change, and have a look how many seals are on the piers down there and we don't shut. Yes, they are dangerous. Stay away from it. That's why you got flares. I mean, no, I definitely didn't say that's why we've got flares. <laughs> now, <laughs> the rocket flare. Now, now, let's get back. We just got sacked. <laughs> Let's get back to these really big southern bluefin tuna that you've been targeting. Yep. Now, how how and what has been the most successful practice well, to give yourself the best chance to catch them? <laughs> Bodie, who landed that big fish we were just talking about, he got his on a live red bait. Yes. So, so he was out, found bait. So bait ball could be getting worked up by the barrels, the yep. dolphins, the seals, the whales, whatever it is, could be getting worked up to the surface, and they come up with a net, scoop them up, live bait tank, bang, chuck it on, Drop it into the bait ball, away you go. Simple as that. There's other methods that have been working. Lures have been fantastic. Pilchards have been okay. Yakkers have been good if you can get a school yakkers pushed up. So keeping your methods and everything, uh, I guess, being open to everything is always, always a massive thing in fishing. But these barrels, a lot of people just used to use lures for them. But the problem is a lot of people now go into this method of dropping baits. So once people start dropping baits on top of these fish, they can be hard to get with lures. So you yeah. sort of need to join in. You've got yep. no real choice yep. other than if you're the first boat there. So you've got to start to learn new methods. Yep. If you have, if if your only you know, attack point had been, we're going to troll skirts all day, it's yep. time to start learning new methods. Yeah, and if it gets rough, it's nearly impossible to drop baits in. It's just you're moving too fast. You can't yep. sit on the bait. Waves are coming over the boat. But the other thing is you also need to learn new stuff, Pat. So if you're running... So I run 20,000 stellars on my Samurai Extract 100-pound rods for my spin gear... For my uh, spin gear to catch them. Now, these rods are serious rods and reels, and the braid's 80 pound. You need to have a very good FG knot that yep. caters for that line. But not only that, you need to be, have someone to flick it into the water up the. I like to get it into the bait ball. You it's allow team for it to sink. It's a team effort of yep. me driving the boat too to keep the bait on top of the in the bait ball. So there are different methods to do it and, and around it is more than 100% possible. But pick your days, pick when you're going to do it. And if you can't get a bite on a lure in the first few passes, I would advise pillies, red bait, yakkers, even if they're dead, just float it down. Yep. And it's always going to work. Well, not always going to work. You've got a very good chance of it working, especially if you're marking up fish. And you've got places like Malakuta right now, the kingfish bite out of there, Pat. Insane. Yeah. Uh, Cody, uh, not Cody Banks, Starbanks has been firing. Cody Banks out of sort of the far east side of Western Port, pushing towards the Gippsland. Cody Banks out wide there has had some serious amounts of school tuna on there too. And right up to South Australia, like we've got the whip around soon. But it's been a great long weekend, it was, in fishing. Got a huge show coming your way this morning. Alex Carey, the Australian wicket keeper, joins us. We're going to chat not only sort of cricket and sport, but more importantly, Redmond, we're chatting about the, uh, the new boat that he's in the market for. All that and plenty more on Real Adventures this morning. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Let's find out what's biting in your part of the country and find out a few of the notable sort of big bites. Now, New South Wales, the Naruma kingfish, as Aaron said, on the other side of the break. Uh, they're going really well at the moment. Live bait and squid strips. They're going mad. Have been the most successful. You'll still get them on jig, jigs once they're worked up, Redman. Do you know why I won't get them on jigs? Why? I'm not stupid enough to do it. That's what you, your mate's for. <laughs> they, um, they're hard work jigging if they don't want to eat, but when they do, it's probably the most oh, 
fish hitting that jig, bringing it in, Pat. There's not much better feeling than that, is there? And if you're happy to uh, to risk losing a fish once again, keeping one of those fish around the boat at all times keeps those fish energised and excited and it gives you a great, catch more fish. greater chance to catch more. Uh, Maroob... Marubra in the afternoons. The Australian salmon redmen have been going really well. No surprises there. They're being caught on metal lures. You can pretty much any sort of metal lure. Yep. You don't need to go too heavy with it, depending on how far you're casting. But it's been fishing really well in South Australia. Yeah, it has Edithborough. Is that how you pronounce it, Patrick? Edithborough. Edithborough. Yep. Some huge whiting, bag limit captures of big whiting, fifty plus centimeters, which is great to see. The old cocktail bait, bit of squid. Bit of pippy, always put the squid on at the end so it acts as a tail and it will stop your bait from spinning. You won't have Johnny Angles. So please be please be smart when you put your bait on because it will save you so much time and catching more fish. Uh, at the start of the show, we mentioned Port McDonald, and I'm going to keep it in here. It's just over the border. You nearly claim it as Victoria, to tell you the truth, Pat, when you're a Victorian, Port Mac, but you can't. I'm not sure that's getting you, the uh, that's passing the pub test in uh, oh, South Australia. You can't actually do it because as soon as you cross some magic line, your phone changes 30 minutes and you feel funny. So it's Port Mac is on fire with big barrel bluefin tuna. So it's well worth heading down there. And there's still some school tuna hanging around the normal ports that we've spoken about over the last two weeks as well, Pat. Queensland, Harvey Bay has had some epic fishing action this week with mackerel, tuna, trevally, queenfish and all reef sort of species really feeding hard uh, and along the beach in Tweed, dewfish fishing really well, Taylor and Brim have all been really consistent. So we've seen some... On worms. Some, some, her- some horrendous weather, Redmond, but we're starting to see some really good captures now. And was it the Brim on worms you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, on all the Brim that caught sandworms. Yep. So they were caught really... And the tailor were on... You know, tailors like very similar to salmon. And the Jewfish, you'll never know what it was caught on because it's always a lie. <laughs> Western Australia, Lake Kurnanara is warming up nicely and the Barra are starting to uh, really kick into gear, Redmond. Yeah, there's a lot of money going into that lake as well. So... We one at once. There's a few competitions coming, and we did speak about them last year through the winter months. So we'll when that happens, we'll chuck them in this segment and keep everyone posted when they are on because over a meter plus in that lake, and that's they're, they're fish of a lifetime. They're, yeah, they're big fish. So Hamelin Bay has had non-stop huge salmon along the beaches. So, but these are big salmon. These are your four to five, six kilo salmon. Once again, salmon, casting anything into them. Jigs have been the best because you can actually get to the fish if they're further out. Your poppers can tend to be a little bit on the lighter side of things at times. Lighter gear is great fun on them as well. Like you Really, if you want to have a, a, a great afternoon, you can go as low as a 2,500 oh, and yeah. really enjoy it. And they can also, uh, you also, you're not going to necessarily lose much gear either. Yep. So if you run your drag right, it's just about tiring the fish out and catching the fish because it's not like you're fishing big, deep drop-offs with reefs and, and the likes. You're on sandy beaches. Not much yep. can go wrong, so you get away with the light gear. And I think if you're happy to, if you've caught a few and the next that you plan to to throw back and you're finding them easier to catch, then crimp down on your hooks. Um, oh, barbless on your barbs. Yep. Just just to look after the fish because they do get destroyed on those trebles, particularly when you when you're using heavier. Yeah, metals. Heavier lures. Yeah. Um, but they're a great fish to, to fish for. Tasmania Redmond. Lake Crescent's trout fishing, great week this week. 10-pound fish. Plastics were very good. The land-based guys. Yep. So that worked really, really well. And Eagle Hawk Neck is starting to see some bigger tuna coming in, which is good. Early still, but not necessarily early because we're going nuts here. Yeah, it's interesting. That, like, it's been good, but not Yeah, it's not phenomenal. final. And then our mate Paul Worsling hook some monster swordfish out of St. Helens as well and I know a couple that did get landed as well from a few other crews so Tassie's really pushing into its winter months where it can be 
on fire, as good as it gets around the world. Port Phillip Bay and Western Port, just quickly in terms of your staple yep. fish like your, uh, your whiting and, and squid, how are they fishing and how are you targeting them at the moment? So that long weekend, we just had the Anzac long weekend, prime tides, everything was good for Western Port and Port Phillip, everyone pretty much caught fish. Yep. Beautiful whiting, beautiful squid. The gummies went really good. Are you picking out going tides? What, as long as you want tidal well, moon, we were, what's your target? Yeah, because we were off that moon, both tides were fantastic. So they both fished really well. But now we've hit this new moon. I think it's tomorrow by memory, Sunday. Uh, it's slowed up a little bit, so you've got to pick that outgoing tide. Yep. It's been a lot better. Western Port, Gwaine's been over there smacking the uh, whiting calamari gum sharks. He's been doing so well over there. So that's fishing really, really good too. But also, I spoke about it uh, a few weeks ago, Air River. Uh, yeah, did. Another yeah. mate went down there the other week, and those salmon are still out the front of the entrance there. So if you do want to get some salmon, Air River is a place to go if you want to have a flick lamb-based off the beach. Beautiful work, Redmond. That's what's biting in your part of the country. Let's get to the social club. We take your questions each and every week from social media. Uh, send us a direct message whether it be Facebook or Instagram, or download our Real Adventures app, and we'll do our very best to get back to you. First question is from Jeff, and I'm glad he's asked you this. I'm going to change the word. It says boys, but I'm going to say danger. With all the talk of electrification of cars, bo- uh, boats next, would you buy one? I would, but I want a little bit more. Uh, I want a greater network in terms of where you can charge them up. Wouldn't be a massive issue for me, simply because I've, I have one at home, and that's predominantly where you go but I reckon you want a slightly bigger charging network and from what we're hearing eventually How would you go night fishing <laughs> well I was talking about cars boats no I need more information I'm a bit like you like I'm all for I love technology I think it's fantastic would I buy and put it on a boat you're not yet? like me because you're giving all this stuff a chance well I would, I'm not I would <laughs> definitely do it with like a 15 horsepower equivalent yep. which we've seen from Mercury I would definitely do it on a smaller boat big one not at the moment you Nah, no chance. Not I wouldn't risk it. Not until technology gets a bit further along. Uh, not for what I got too much too much of my life at risk uh, during the week. It's uh, it's when you not for you. Yeah, when you're traveling to Pilo Bay, ninety three kilometers, and you, things aren't. Yeah, no, let's won't even the, go the, there. The irony <laughs> of that is you've got a pacemaker which is powered by a battery that lasts for fifteen years. Mm. Yeah, but you're not. Not happy to trust your life with a battery on a boat. Yeah, but I've got a solar panelled hat that attaches to it. <laughs> no, you've got a um, you've got a hat with a little uh, helicopter with a little helicopter on top. Attaches it's, to a wire through my yeah. just through my brain, but I haven't got one of those either. So yeah, well, that's why there's so much room. <laughs> Danger. I read during the week, Gil and the AFL are off to the states to talk to potential streaming partners for the AFL. This is an interesting question. I haven't, don't even know where this is going. What does that mean for us that can't afford streaming services and, and can only watch foot, footy on free to air? Will we miss out on games? Charles, die hard blues fan. Poor old Charles. Sums up a bit, doesn't it? Craig, uh, Gil has, he, he's there, uh, I think he got back late, late yesterday, late uh, in the week uh, with a few of the, the execs. Didn't he quit a few weeks ago? He's still going. Well, he'll finish up at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, this Bit of this could be a, a huge game changer for the AFL. So the last few years have been what we certainly understand. They've been COVID-affected. But for all sports, but particularly in Australia, where we are off Broadway globally, it's not a it's not a massive market compared to the NFL, NBA, um, you know, European soccer. That part's very, very clear. But for the first time in a long time, we've got genuine competition from the – networks and uh, TV broadcast providers. 
So it's it's a lot harder to generate that interest when there's only a couple of big players and you're not going to generate the, the dollars. But when, from what we're hearing, CBS, who owns Channel 10, Paramount Plus, um, have really invested heavily in streaming, all of a sudden YouTube the same. If you can get a couple of big players, it, it the money within the game is going to grow substantially. But what does that mean? I was about to ask you that. For your everyday yeah, um, football watcher, well, there's a few games on the calendar that are sacrosanct. So you, the, the AFL Grand Final will always be on a free-to-air broadcast partner. But there is the potential that there would be some games, if you split up how the, the game is broadcast, that would only be on certain streaming networks. So, for example, if, there was, if you could lock in Thursday night footy for every single week of the year which would mean more five-day breaks. The players would have to tick that off. But say you did. It opens up Channel 9 as a potential who have invested significantly in uh, KO and Binge, obviously owned by you know the overarching being News Limited Foxtel. Um, it opens up splitting, all right, we're going to sell Thursday night footy to Channel 9. Channel 7 are going to have Friday. And Saturday is going to be YouTube. So you split them up in order to generate more revenue. But what it does mean is potentially the only way to broadcast and to view some of these uh, games would be to have those streaming. Those streaming I'm a Foxtel man. I, that's how I watch all my sport. I would dare say Fox would have the rights to it all. They'll, Fox they'll the be rights, a very yeah. big player again. It's such a big part of, of their business. And KO... And it's not just national either. No, you, you know, KO's gone in 2017. They had no subscribers to, you know, hundreds of thousands now. So it's a huge part of that, which is owned, you know, a huge part of that is, is obviously Foxtel owned. So um, great question, uh, Charles. Um, yeah, we we'll love how it's stuck to fishing voting. <laughs> it's good. It, you know, the, the space is definitely going to change. It's, you know, it, it'll it'll be fascinating to see what, what you know, what's when are we going to see? When, when, when like. could we see that? Could that be in the next couple of years? Well, the current broadcast arrangements head to twenty twenty four. I dare say this. Will, so this will obviously be an extension on that. Off that, yeah. Or you could. They might throw it away and go. We're going to renegotiate it, and this is how it's going to work. But I think with the success of Drive to Survive, which is obviously the F one surfing, mm. are doing a similar thing. I think there's real opportunity for the AFL, and I think this is this is where clubs um, need to to kick into gear and get with the program, it's time to open the doors so fans can see more than they have previously. Stop with the um, worrying about the protected IP and, and game plans and those sorts of things. You're never gonna get you're never gonna give away a full game plan on your you know, whether it be drive to survive or whatever it might be. But I think fans want to see more of the behind the close uh, behind the uh, doors action than what they currently get. And I think with the the current the challenges that COVID has provided, I think the fans deserve to see what what happens behind closed doors. There's so many interesting things and interesting storylines that appear that we didn't understand that we do now through Drive to Survive, and we've seen how popular the F1s have been. Redmond, you know, four hundred thousand mm. plus over the course of the F1 weekend. That's huge. Biggest, biggest crowds that we've ever had, and that is um, a huge part due just to, to watch to, a car. to Netflix. Yeah, so I think this is the way that it's going. I think. People want to see it, and I think clubs need to get with the program. This is where we're going. Open up your doors, and we'll all be better for it for a competition. There'll be more finances within the game because of opening the doors. All right, last on. one. We've gone a little uh, 
but we'll squeeze one more in. Aaron, if I want to go out and target garfish specifically, how do I go about doing that? What conditions am I looking for, locations, etc.? Cheers, Pete. Ideally, calm, calm weather. Yes. Calm as you can possibly get it. It makes life so much easier. Because these garfish obviously swim along the top of the surface. Yep. So you want to see them almost. If you can see them, it helps. Yep. And not only that, it keeps your float sitting better in the water too. And your burley doesn't get dispersed as far as, as, far either. So burley's a key. Plastic little cheap $2 plastic container at the top with breadcrumbs and a bit of tuna oil. That'll get you started. A float with a little uh, a split shot sinker with a very small hook on the end of it. Uh, depending on what brand you use, what size. But... I won't go into that because every brand has its size, but a yep. really small hook. And basically, you just want to get somewhere where there's structure So, or and with weed beds. So yep. Swan Bay is a fantastic area near me. Uh, you've also got all the Mornington side. Uh, you've got Bo Morris, Yacht Squadron. Up there is all good. But you can copy and paste that sort of rocky, weedy outcrop yep. with anywhere, anywhere around South Australia. South Australia. South Victor- massive. Yeah. Yep. Victoria. Yep. I don't... New South Wales, I slow down a little bit, but yeah, there's... They're a great eating. I'm not a massive fish eater, as we know. I'm not huge on fish eating fish, but garfish are very well sought after fish to eat. They butterfly them. They're not too hard to take the bones out. People think they're harder than what they actually are. It's, it's actually not. But another great way to get garfish is to spotlight them too. Chuck your get a flounder light. Walk in water, shallow water at Clifton Springs, or once again that same same sort of area with a a net, and you can go dip net these garfish, and it's awesome, also great fun to do. So keep that in mind as well. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is the social club. Make sure, and if you're interested in getting and joining in the conversation, send in your questions via a direct message to our Facebook and Instagram pages, and we'll do our best to get back to your questions. But they, f- they fill up every week, so we do our best to get to everyone where we can. And we ramble on a little bit. And we do ramble on. Uh, coming up after the break, Australian wicketkeeper Alex Carey joins the Real Adventures show. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. And during the week, Redmond, I said, we need a guest. And and you haven't contributed a huge amount to the show over the years. But you have come through this morning. I have. You've gone Australian... Royalty, really. The Australian wicket keeper, Alex Carey, joins us. Morning, Al. <laughs> Morning, boys. Thanks for having me on. Now, I couldn't quite believe that uh, that Aaron had roped you into this, but we've since found out that uh, during your your recent tour of Pakistan, you're obviously very, very busy, and uh, <laughs> you've been looking through Aaron's videos of boat reviews. Yeah, it's um, there's some pretty quiet times and some lonely times in Pakistan, <laughs> and that's where I found myself. So, um, jeez, I'm going no, real well this morning, aren't I? <laughs> jeez, how's this? No, it was very well done. Um, and yeah, I, I think you've convinced me to actually go down to, to Christie's Beach and, and pick one up. So, um, exciting times ahead. But no, I'm excited to, to be on the show. It's, um, yeah, it's a real honour to, to speak to you, boys. Well, not as excited as we are now. For those that aren't aware, your your sporting story Al, over the past decade has been nothing short of extraordinary. Obviously, playing both football and cricket growing up makes you look ordinary. <laughs> makes everyone look ordinary, <laughs> mate. Um, and then you decide to chase the dream of AFL footy. You head to GWS. You don't quite make it there, and then you return to cricket. Not only return to cricket, but you become the Australian wicketkeeper. Do you pinch yourself and think, 
geez, bloody hell, it's been an interesting ride over the last sort of decade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely pinch myself. No, I um, uh, yeah, it has been up and down. Um, but very, very lucky to, I guess, be given the opportunities I have and, um, yeah, hung in the, the cricket game um, and didn't, yeah, throw the cricket bat away when when I went up to GWS. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky, um, that's for sure. And, no, I still remember back when I was 16, I was in the AIS AFL Academy and I reckon, Paddy, you're a year or two ahead of me. Yep. Um, Who was the coach at the time? Was that Sando then? I had Alan McConnell. Yeah, I had Al, Al as well. <laughs> yep. And Showing your age, you know, <laughs> there's a, I think there's one week where you go and spend um, a week with one of your clubs of choice. And in South Australia, I chose the Crows. And this was your first year, Paddy, and you were flying over from um, from year 12 in the school holidays. Um, and I still remember the impact you had on me. And uh, it's great to see that the success that you've had so um and that's on the footy field not on the not in the fishing boat so it's uh yeah it's fantastic to be on the show to speak to you guys um but yeah definitely up and down uh but yeah very lucky to to be standing behind the stumps to some of the um yeah i guess australian best fast bowlers that we've had you'd be lying if you said that you were honored to Talk to him about fishing. I'm going to ask you the big question. Is it uh, footy or cricket? It's cricket, mate. No, no, no. Like, what, which one? They both could be a bit of work for him. Which one do you probably enjoy playing the most? Oh, no, no, I know I like my footy cricket. Fair I used question. to like footy more, but I was better at cricket. Not really good uh, either, but. Look, all I can say is that. Um, when I am away playing cricket, um, I'm watching AFL 360. I'm watching every <laughs> footy show that's on TV. I'm watching every game of the round. Um, so, no, I, look, I love, absolutely love watching um, the game of footy. And I guess looking back, I, I probably slightly preferred footy, um, but I probably knew I was a better cricketer. So I was always chasing what I, you know, I didn't quite have. So... Um, yeah, lucky to, to be where I am, that's for sure. But no, I'm a, I'm a footy nuffy as well, um, which keeps me sane when we're on tours. <laughs> well, it's, it's good to co- talk cricket and sport and all those sorts of things, but it's not really the reason that we got you on this morning. <laughs> now, the byproduct of being the Australian wicketkeeper Redmond is that you, of course, can then start to do the, the enjoyable things in life like fishing and boating. And that brings us to the boat hunt, the boat search that you're on at the moment. Now, take us yep. through the position you're in. You're looking for a, a new six-metre boat, and you're heading down to Christie's Beach, so you're looking at a North Bank, obviously. Yeah, are we able to plug? <laughs> Bloody um, eyes, plug a while. Nah, yeah, good. We've both good, got them, so we do. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I thought it was a good... That's probably the reason why I come on the show, <laughs> yeah. to get around the boys at Christie's Beach. <laughs> There's an extra no, five I grand off. Uh, yeah, I, I've spent a bit of time in North Banks, and that's through uh, an ex-cricketer in Gary Putland. Um, yes. He, yeah, he's, uh, he's mad keen. So he's going to help me with a fit out um, and what I choose um, down there with the North Bank boys. Um, but it is difficult, I guess, trying to get enough time in your hands to convince the missus it's a good idea to buy a boat <laughs> uh, when you are away quite a bit and two young kids. Um, but somehow she said she's coming down with me tomorrow to have a look. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to, 
um, to pump up, you know, the, the boats that they've got on offer. Well, the, um, the, the important thing is you want to get – it's not about you wanting to get a boat. It's about the kids and you wanting to take them outside <laughs> yeah. more and yeah. the boat yeah. provides yeah. that vehicle. <laughs> and I'm guessing bigger is more safe. Is that a pretty good angle to go down? <laughs> and the more horsepower on the back, the faster you can yeah. get home if something goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, exciting times. Um, I'm also lucky. My, the bloke who lives across the road for me took me out uh, Sunday night um, kids went to bed and, and out we went for a little look and we didn't have any luck but um, yeah it's also good to know a, a guy with a boat and, and yeah to live across the road from um, a good fellow who played a bit of footy actually in the sand pool um, yeah he, he loves it as well so uh, no I'm, I'm keen to get my own but and in the meantime it's, it's nice to know a bloke with a boat now, you're sort of timing it well because obviously one of the biggest challenges in South Australia over the last few years from a fishing perspective has been the, the closure of the snapper fishery. But a hopeful end of uh, 2023, that will come to a close and that will be open back up for all recreational fishermen. And it's something that you did uh, growing up searching through your socials. There's a few photos of you holding some beautiful snapper. But if you look back through your sort of fishing history, what's the best catch mm. that you've had throughout your uh your upbringing in life, Al? Yeah, good question. I, I reckon um, you always try to look back to your first memories and, um, yeah, Dad was keen, um, brother was, or so, it was, still is super keen and I think those those memories when you're a youngster, um, you know, re- reeling in your first squid or um, even a Tommy Ruff off the jetty, we, we spent a fair bit of time on the York Peninsula and out in Moonter and, and Port Hughes um, and got a trip there in a couple of weeks. So they're really good memories of, of I guess, you know, the, the experience. But in terms of catch, um, I'm going to go international and, and head over to New Zealand. Um, we had a series over there, and I reckon it was game two of the T20, and we just chased down the record T20 score of the of a international T20. And so you're very we're happy with yourselves. To, yep. Yeah, I, I scored one not out off one ball, so I, <laughs> um, I celebrated and um, yeah, had about an hour's hour sleep and, and we're on the charter um, off Auckland um, with a few of the boys and always wanted to catch a kingfish and we were lucky enough to land a few uh, before the swell sort of picked up and um, yeah, and we had big models over there. Our guts up. So no, nah, that that was pretty that was pretty exciting. The kingfish they're always um, yeah something that. Uh, I guess the, the guys that I speak to here want to catch. Um, but, yeah, local snapper uh, and, and whiting, yeah, I guess you can't really beat. I, I went out the other night, caught a few ruggers, as you mentioned. You, you throw them back um, chasing the, the whiting, um, which, yeah, are, are lovely to eat. So if I could choose any fish to, to catch, it's the King George. Um, but a heap of tuna around too. So I've, I've landed a couple of them. Um, in a, in a mate's North Bank uh, boat off Victor Harbour. I reckon if you are, can persuade the missus, and if you head down to Port McDonald in a few hours, I can meet you there and yeah. land you a 100 kilo plus bluefin if you like. If you, want to, if, you, if you want to have a go at that. Yeah, it sounds good. I reckon uh, I've probably got a few brownie points to catch up over the last couple of months being away. He's been away for months. <laughs> We're chatting. We're chatting with Australian wicketkeeper Alex Carey. Now, on your socials, you've got a uh, you've posted an experience snorkeling the Killsby sinkhole. 
which for those unaware, uh, it's it's really close to, to Mount Gambier, and Mount Gambier is really well known for some incredible cave diving. Now, this links in a bit with, I watched, and Aaron's watched this as well, uh, and we, we got the idea off your captain, uh, Pat Cummins, when he posted about the rescue. A, oh, yeah, uh, an yeah. incredible documentary around a group of... Thailand. Uh, yeah, in, in Thailand, around a group of soccer players that got trapped in a uh, in a cave. Have you watched the doco itself, and did you think about that when you were snorkelling the cave, or you didn't go too deep when, uh, when you snorkeled there? <laughs> uh, well, I've watched the doco three times, and that's no word of a lie. That's my... Um, yeah, my go-to recommendation for anyone that wants to, yeah, sit down for an hour and a half or two hours and, and watch something pretty inspirational. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And, and luckily enough, I, I dove the hole before I actually saw that doco. Good so timing, good timing. Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't too many concerns there. And um, the size of the wetsuits that we had on, um, yeah, I wasn't getting too deep anyway. I, I uh <laughs> Yeah, an amazing experience and, and definitely something that um, if you do get the opportunity to do is go and look at this crystal clear cave that's, I don't know, 20, 30 metres deep um, and just, yeah, you feel um, yeah very peaceful. And I do understand why cave divers do what they do, but also I wouldn't have the, the minerals to, to go any deeper <laughs> than a couple of metres. <laughs> I'm going to take you back a little bit to discussing uh, the North Bank six metre purchase. Now, on the show, Pat, you and I are always talking about buying the right boat for yourself. Yes. So it's not necessarily buying the boat to impress Bob and John up the road. It's no. about buying the boat that caters for yourself. Now, you've got the options of, say, for just the, the range will go six metre, 650, 750 in the yep. North Bank range. We'll go, we'll go through. What's the reason behind actually choosing the six metre? Because a 650 is a bloody good looking boat. Um, yeah, I, I think personally going down there and, um, jumping in a couple, I'll find it hard to, um, to not walk out of there with a hard top. <laughs> um, but saying that realistically, there's a bit of storage involved. Um, I, I think, you know, speaking to, to everyone I have spoken to about them is I'm, I'm probably going to be able to do what I need to do in a 600 and do what a 650 does. Um, looking at yours, Paddy, you could probably put a, a couple of cars on it ahead to KI. And, um, it's a, it's, ferry, it's currently in my but... driveway at the moment and there's no space for me or the family Aaron, to partake in it. I took it last week. <laughs> um, but I'm looking, I'm looking for a bit of a, I guess a bit of a mix. And, and with young kids, it, it's going to be um, your, your better days out in the water um, so the hard top protection is probably not required for me at this stage, and and maybe when um, I get a bit more time on my hands and a um, yeah comfortable in the six hundred, then maybe I'll jump up. But um, I, I think it's going to be able to do what I want to do. Um, bit of storage towing. Um, I haven't got the Toyota Land Cruiser. I might have to um, Jeez, yeah jump so up and, and do that. But it's, um, yeah, I, I look, I, I'm excited to, to jump in a few boats. Um, get a feel of them, get a feel for size. Um, hopefully, Louis loves one, and um, yeah, we can uh, yeah sign something off in the next few days. But we, it's, it's pretty exciting. I, look, they're, they're beautiful. They they look beautiful. Um, they do a great job. They're friendly down in, in Christie, so it's going to be hard to um, for the miss to say no. I reckon. I just uh, invested in Mack trucks just to pull Pat's boat around <laughs> so I can get around the state. <laughs> 
Al, we really appreciate your uh, your time this morning and chatting about not only your, your passion, obviously, for sport and, and particularly cricket, uh, but also fishing in the outdoors and the family man that you are. So thank you for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. No, it's been fun. Thanks for having me on. And, yeah, take care, boys. Thank you. Alex Carey, Australian wicket keeper. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's now time for Red's Review. And we're talking gaffs this morning, Redman. What do you need for your everyday fishing gaff? What's necessary for big barrels and chasing bigger fish? And you've gone through a list of four for us. Yeah, we've actually spoke about this on the show a few years ago, and I thought it would be a great time to, I guess, go through it all again because the tuna fishery in our country and the world is just getting bigger and bigger. And... Gaffs are a big part of tuna, a tuna fishery. It's about looking after your fish and whatnot as well. It's as much about looking... People think, gaff, it's to kill a fish. Absolutely not. When you're dealing with big fish like this, as you said, this is the, the simplest way to keep them healthy so they're not thrashing around, banging yeah. their heads against the boat. Even handling it in the boat, uh, even getting it out of the boat to weigh it. So... The gaff, uh, so sorry, not the gaff. We're talking about gaffs, but the review today is going towards. Uh, we're on- online. We're looking at Wellesley's tackle, uh, just the Hookham range, and we and just picked a random tackle yeah, store. Like, literally, they had a range of Hookham gaffs there. Yep. So they've got a great um, website. That's why we chose them. So you can actually see all the specifications. We've got good pictures of the gaffs. Um, some some really good manu- uh, really good tackle stores are, are great when you go into store, but don't necessarily have as good a website. And Wells just have a terrific website, so that's why I've chosen them. Meat hook, what it's known as, that's yep. a terrific thing to have on a boat. Now, what a meat hook is good for? Once again, it's good for that release shot that we spoke about earlier in the show. Uh, uh, sorry, we actually speak about it later in the show. Uh, it's about basically releasing the sh- releasing the fish. You can actually get the meat hook gaff. And what it is is a short gaff. sort of looks like a pirate's hand in a way, Pat, with a hook on the end of it. Yep. It's a good, good way to handle a fish, not only to pull into the boat with a, a big tuner into the boat, but also to get the tuner out of the boat and to manoeuvre the tuner out of the boat. The reason I mentioned tuna is because we are in a heavy tuna fishery right now, and I think it's relevant to what gaffs are used for. You can use them for anything, sharks and whatnot as well. So a meat hook is good, and they're up towards $100. Now, a long gaff, and the reason I say a long gaff is a 1.8 metre gaff is a... I like to run it as long as you can get a gaff. So 1.8 to 2 metres. Now, the reason that I suggest this with a 4 to 6 inch diamond, a diamond gaff end on the end of it, yes. the reason I recommend this is because if that tuna is out wide and you only get one shot at it, if it, the longer it is, the more chance you've got a gaff in it. Yep. That's to be honest there. Yep. Now, as my second gaff for a big fish, I like to have another long gaff, but it's only about 1.4 Something you can handle easier. So the first one goes in, and that's sort of just to secure it. Yeah. And then the next one that you put into the fish, it's actually more. It's a, it's it's a still the exact same diamond. It's the same gape on the end of it, but it's smaller and easier to handle. So your mate or yourself can get that second gaff into it. Now, roughly around one point four meters. Now, another thing, another gaff that I like to have on the boat is a, uh, a just a general small gaff. So this is for maybe your gummy sharks, your kingfish, your small tuna, and that's only sort of around 1.2, and it might be only a 3 to 4-inch uh, gape on the end of it as well with just a round or a diamond end to it uh, on the business end of it. Which is important in a sense if you're not fishing out of a really big boat oh, yeah. and the side gunnels that you've got to actually store this size gaff, that's more of your, you know, your 5-metre and below where you don't, you know, you stretch for room, 
so you can't store the really big ones, and this sits perfectly in that. Yeah, exactly. And not only that as well, it it's those big gaffs will just rip through smaller fish. If you put one of those big gaffs through a kingy, it's going to rip through it and yeah. destroy it. So these smaller gaffs are good. Now, the last one that I want to mention is a flying gaff. I think it's extremely important to have a flying gaff on the boat if you target big species. Now, the likes of swordfish, the likes of mako sharks, big bronzies, something big, angry, and strong. So what a flying gaff is, it's fixed to a pole. It's, sorry, it attaches to a pole. It doesn't fix to the pole. So those were all fixed gaffs that we spoke about earlier. Yes, yep. This is flying gaff. And it, what happens is as you gaff the fish with the flying gaff, you actually hold the rope in your hand, which is actually tied off to the cleat of the boat. So It's safer you, for you if, yep. you've, if you're fighting an angry You're not species. holding a mako or a swordfish. <laughs> if, you, if you have to let go, you can let you can go. Yep. And, what it, and what, as you gaff the fish or the shark or whatever it is, you, you push the other way, pop the pole out, and then it's just attached to the rope and you can handle it yourself, get the next gaff into it. And all that range there is between $100 to two hundred dollars, you're pretty much going to get all your gaffs. Yeah, they're not for. crazy expensive. No, they're not. And you, for those barrels, you're going to need a minimum two gaffs. Plus, I reckon the mouth hook and the mouth uh, meat gaff, as I like to call it. It that that is probably very. That's one of the most important ones to have because it just allows you not to have things going everywhere, poles going everywhere, and you can handle and look after the fish with care. I think the other thing that you can add to this, if you want to, is, and I'll just use Railblazer as an example, but they're an accessory provider that is great for storage and clips when it comes to not only rod holders but gaffs if you want to actually install oh they've got it. all that stuff too yeah, yeah exactly right, right. Yeah. so you can put it install it in your boat and then you're storing your gaffs off the floor they're not moving as much and all those sorts of things so beautifully done Redman that is Red's review for Club Marine Red's review for Club Marine Australia's leading provider of boat insurance you're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip and we're talking about releasing fish and swimming them rather than bringing them on deck. And this is particularly relevant for, for Billfish Redmen and those really big model tuna that you don't plan on taking home. Yeah, and I got managed to get a few barrels during the week and we managed to release some as well. And like you said, there's sort of a thing out there in the fishing space and world that you don't actually keep marlin. So you, get yep. the odd, you can keep one. The odd people do. Uh, the odd person does keep one here and there, but just naturally... People don't. You just yeah. don't keep them. Like, and it's funny because you can catch a, a sailfish that might be three years old that's two and a half metres long, and people are, go up in arms when, oh, you've, you've killed a beautiful sailfish, yet they don't speak a word when you kill a brim that's yeah. 40 centimetres that might be 15 years old. And, and it's just the way it is in the fishing world. It's sort of one of those unwritten rules in, yes, a, in, a, in a way. But, yeah, those marlin, you want to keep the boat. So when you do get a bigger fish and you want to release it, you want to keep the boat actually in gear. Now, it's sort of like walking the dog, as I've always joked about it. Once you get that fish on the leader, if you actually get a nice firm grip of the leader of a marlin and have your boat in gear without actually even touching the fish and peeing it off, if you just keep its head just subtle under the water, a lot of the time the marlin will actually just swim with the boat. Yep. It might carry on a little bit. They're not going to thrash enormously. Not all the time. Yep. You get the odd one that does here and there. And uh, I didn't realise how much control you had on Marlin 
until a fellow by the name of Nathan who works on headhunter fishing charters. I love my marlin fishing. I think I'm all right at it. But when you go out, with, I speak to the charter boat operators that literally do it all every, th- day. every day. They've got tips and tricks. And he explained it to me in, a few years ago. And I, and I started to do it rather than grabbing... We grab the bill for the photo. But initially when we're getting ready, we can walk these fish next to the boat. But it's a bit different with a barrel bluefin. It doesn't work the same as a marlin. Now, during the week, I landed some beautiful big tuna out of Port McDonald in Portland, and we released a couple of fish. Now, you can't actually grab the bill of a or the face of a bluefin. You can't do it because I don't have one. You and try you just, <laughs> the hands just going to keep going though. And they got quite sharp teeth. So <laughs> they, uh, so you actually, I, I like to use one of those meat gaffs, which is the one that we just reviewed earlier in the show. Yes, and I actually put it in the bottom lip of the mouth and. Which is not going to hurt the fish. No, it doesn't hurt the fish. I don't go anywhere near its gills or anything the likes just to get the photo and to release it. You don't want to go bringing these 120 kilo fish, for instance, into the boat because as soon as it hits the deck, bang, boom, bang, it's not good for the fish. Let's be honest, every barrel that I've caught, I reckon 90% of them are pretty much done once they hit the deck of the boat. They're not real healthy. So it's about handling it at the side of the boat Get the leader, uh, get the leader nice and tight on the side. Walk it right up and try and get a mouth grip, a mouth gaff into it, and then basically hold on because they can pull quite hard still because they are a powerful, strong fish which you need to be aware of. But the key to it is the same as the marlin, is to keep the boat in gear, keep yep. the water flowing through the gills, and keep the momentum of the tail just kicking with you. And like I said earlier, it's like walking the dog; it sort of just goes with you, and you keep the momentum going. If you knock that boat out of gear, Pat, and you start drifting down the wind. You're in a bit of trouble and the fish will just lose its momentum. It'll tend to fall one way and it will just bang, gone, and you'll rip your arm off and lose your gaff or whatever it is. So that there is Red's tip on how to handle a big fish at the boat. Now it's time for the flying gaff. And I haven't actually read the gaff yet, Patrick. Far away. The flying gaff this week, Ken Redmond, it is heading to the AFL commentators, for which there are many, that have totally missed the mark when it comes to the critiquing of umpires and the abuse they receive. All I'm hearing at the moment when I watch a game and when I listen to the commentary post-game, is how this interpretation uh, is, is destroying the game. What's destroying the game is the whinging of commentators around umpires. Because what the AFL are trying to do, and I totally agree with this after going to watch some... Um, my sister played um, some footy on the weekend, and the umpires that were umpiring her game at started at 2 o'clock... Um, that umpired four games early. They started at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is nowhere Stopped. near enough people to, to cater for the amount of games that are in existence at the moment because of the growth of AFLW, which is wonderful. But the biggest challenge that we've all got is making it an environment that is inviting for umpires to go to. So for all this constant conversation um, and, and storyline around Umpires. <laughs> Umpires, players turning around and looking to the umpire and then 50s being paid. I'm really hoping in a month's time we're no longer talking about this because it's just the normal. Yes, it's going to take some time for players to adjust, but the bigger picture is the entire game, what we're trying to promote. And at the moment, commentators have just got this wrong. They've got this so wrong because all they do is bang on about it. Spend less time talking about the the umpiring of the game in the 50s that are paid around descent and more time around the actual game itself because we'll be better for it as a competition and our junior ranks will be far better for it with more umpires uh, joining the league ranks uh, and we put less stress on those officiating local games of footy right around the country. There you go. That's the gaff for the week. You've been listening to Real Adventures. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? 
Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.